World Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as Copyvasta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepy Podsta, the Creepy Pasta Podcast. Hello, welcome to the show. You're returning back again for another episode. Actually, I'm not sure if this one's going to be right after the one that we just recorded, or if I'm going to put a little triplet between them, because that's been the thing I like to do. And because these two make a, a nice, these two stories make like a nice paired set of spooky stories about old Bethesda games from the mid 2000s. <laughs> it um it sort of makes sense to me to have them bookend like my solo guest trio of episodes like I've been doing. Um so maybe you're hearing this right after the Fallout 3 number station or maybe you're hearing it exactly one month later. I'm not sure yet. I have to see if I can get uh Phil and Judd back to record stuff. Maybe Louisa, she hasn't been on since September. Um we'll see. I've had lots of uh lots of guests in the meantime. The one hard issue with recording a lot at once is I recorded like uh, 20 or 30 episodes in August of 2018 um, and put like edited and scheduled them. And then when I was asking for people to record again, I had gotten someone who uh, their episode had just gone up the week earlier in December. And so I was like, no, you can't be on because you were just on this week. And I know we recorded it four months ago, but it was just. <laughs> this past week, so you'll have to wait. Um, uh, that guest was Heather. Maybe she will come back on the show. Uh, but these guests are returning, as you might have guessed from the Fallout 3 Number Station episode. Please, welcome to the show. I don't know why I'm saying welcome to the show. There's no audience here. Please <laughs> enjoy the fact that they are here, both of them. Olivia Hill. Hello. And Philomena Young. Nailed it. And now, <laughs> Philomena, you said you took notes on this one, this story, which I actually have not said the title of. Um, it's called jvk1166z.esp, and it is called that because that is the n- file name for the Morrowind mod that the story is about. And listen, audience, I know what you're thinking. That sounds bad, but no, this one's actually fine. It's okay. It's... It's... More substantial than the Fallout 3 number station in any case. Twice as long. Okay. <laughs> All right, go ahead. All right, yeah. Th- I, yeah, quality we can discuss later, sure. Sure. So, <laughs> so first the narrator goes ahead and establishes the reality that the story takes place in. That there are lots of people who still mod Morrowind um, at the time of writing. And that there is this one mod that everybody's heard rumors of, but maybe nobody's really played because it doesn't work. So now we know the real, the normal for the story. Um, and then he goes on to talk about how on this forum, one player probably has found how to make it work and goes through the technical end of, um, you know, this, this, this occult 
computer process. I mean, not actually a cult, but a cult to me. Uh, this process with the computer jargon, and it sounds like, okay, sure, that's how you make that mod work. Um, so then this, so our narrator is telling the story of how this other party got this weird mod to work and how it behaved strangely. Uh, and there's a lot of, like, insider knowledge. Like, if you've played the games or if you've played this kind of game by Bethesda, like, you know what the construction kit is. So you know that that's how players can go into the engine, into the system of the game, and muck with the game. But they tell us that, the narrator tells us that using the construction set isn't strong enough to get into this mod. This mod is still locked up tight. Yeah, but uh, for ex- there are sentences that make it a bit uh, inaccessible to outsiders, I would say. Like this sentence. Yeah. Um, a figure we came to call the Assassin, because he seems to wear a retextured version of the Dark Brotherhood armor from Tribunal, even though the expansions don't work in JVK. Ugh. I don't know what that... Like, I know who the Dark Brotherhood is, but I only know that from Skyrim. I, I had to use context clues to figure out Tribunal is uh, an expansion. Right. I almost said DLC, but this was before DLC. This is when you had to go buy a, a CD of it from your local electronics boutique. And I don't mean that generically. I mean the retail chain right. electronics boutique. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, no. Uh, so, in comparison to the number station that we listened to last time, um, this is very much written for an audience of people who not only know Morrowind, but also know, like, the ins and outs of making it run on your computer. Yes. Um, so this is for an audience of insiders rather than an audience of maybe outsiders, uh, which I think is important when kind of viewing it and judging it, if that makes any sense. Um, so then the author tells us that he got it to work a little bit and some weird things happen. So then he goes through and talks about some weird stuff like the NPCs are behaving strangely. Basically, everything he says sounds like a typical Bethesda glitch. Like, <laughs> I hate to say it, but at least in the beginning, it all sounds like, no, you just have a weird buggy copy of the game. That's what happens when you mod pretty heavily. Yeah, I think um, that that's part of it. I think that you're supposed yeah. to be lulled into that false sense of security. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's the verisimilitude, yeah. which we talked about, or verisimilitude, however you want to say it. Um, so then we talk about this other person who's like, well, I'm going to dig deeper because I have the opportunity to do so. And, you know, you find out other weird stuff that's happening. Um, you find out about this assassin character that is constantly injuring your character, but only a little bit, and we don't really know why yet but it's just like a little bit here and there and then when you look at the assassin it runs away so now you have like a kind of icon a creepypasta icon character you have your you have your slenderman within your setting yep um which is important and for me at least um there's a description of like if your character is killed by the assassin the assassin crawls spider-like all over your character's body as you go through the go to the respawn scene which reminded me of the the monsters in shattered memories oh silent hill shattered memories silent hill shattered memories, which I don't know the timeline, but that was such a specific visual in my mind that I imagined those critters, and I wonder if that's what the author was referencing. I'm trying to find the date that this story was posted. It's not on the mobile version, um, Mm -hmm. but it may be on the... desktop version. Oh, you know what? I can find the the oldest comment and we'll go from there. But go ahead. I'll look sure. for that. Yeah. 
Okay. So then um, I guess stuff begins to... Now, this is where we're hearing third hand from the narrator's person on the forum. Um, there's this assassin. It behaves weird. And the NPCs are now behaving strangely. They um, they go out at night and they all look up at the sky. Um, and they don't really... They say something about, like, watch the skies or something very vague and ominous like that. But they don't do any of the normal NPC interactions. And then they go back to being normal Bethesda NPCs. Um, and then we find out that the skybox... Now, he doesn't call it the skybox. He just says the sky changes from the sky over Tamriel, the, 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 the world, to um, the real world sky at a certain date in the past. Um, and, like, you could totally do that. That's not a hard thing to do. The skybox mm-hmm. is literally a geometric shape outside of the video game that hovers over the video game and kind of shifts so the camera can catch it changing over the, the thing. Now, what I don't know is of the time of this game, if skyboxes were a thing that was used regularly. Uh, they were coming into popularity. Okay, so they were coming into popularity. Okay, cool. now here's um, one thing that um, I think I don't understand. Uh, it it was my understanding that Tamriel was the main continent in which the Elder Scrolls take place, and that Morrowind is uh, its own separate, like, mini-continent island type thing. But is Morrowind just a region of Tamriel? You know what? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, see, that was, uh, a nerd tra- that was a nerd trap, and you've uh, rolled yeah. a success on passing it, and you've gotten past <laughs> the nerd trap, so now we know that you're cool and not a, not a dweebo. So now I don't have to bully you. Um, Good, that's fair. Good, I appreciate. That. I mean, I guess I'm um, also unclear as to whether Skyrim is part of the continent of Tamriel or not, or is the world also called Tamriel? These questions can never be answered. Well, I know Skyrim is definitely a part of Tamriel because I remember hearing them say it over and over again. Yeah. But other than that, I have no idea. No clue. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean they fight that whole war about whether or not the ta- the like empire of Tamriel should have a presence in Skyrim or not. Anyway, yeah. this is the least important thing ever, so <laughs> I continue relating this creepypasta. Okay. <laughs> Alright, so then the, um, the third party, the, the, the person to whom the things are happening, um, and all of these are unnamed. Like, there's nobody, like, we don't even get a screen name of this guy, so we can follow it along those lines. It's just this other dude. Um, this other dude gets a quest from a unique NPC who has, like, um, they describe it's like a piece of the sky had been pulled off and put on his cloak, or his cloak was made out of the sky, which, again, it's a thing you can do in-engine, probably. And it was a nice touch, because they're like, oh, the theme of this is something about the stars. Nice nice job having a theme through your creepypasta. Very good. Okay, um, hold on. My mistake. I just want to <laughs> clarify here. Tamriel yeah. is the entire known world. Cyrodiil hey. is the central part of the continent where I believe Oblivion takes place. Skyrim is in the north. Morrowind is to the east of Skyrim. Um, mm. Which uh, yeah. makes sense. I was The reason I was confused is because you go to an island that is part of Morrowind in Sky- some of the Skyrim DLC. Um, yeah, right, right. Uh, Hammerfell is to the west, but nobody played that game, so who cares? <laughs> was very good. Well, yeah, it does. It does uh, <laughs> boast the the largest uh, world map of any video game, I believe. Um, but yeah. most of that is randomly generated garbage that you just wander through and doesn't have cool <laughs> stuff to do in. So yeah, uh, so good cheat. But um, yeah, anyway, uh, sorry. Back to the story, I guess. <laughs> 
Yeah, I guess. Uh, so um, then we find out that the, the 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 doer in the story, the action person in the story, got a quest, and there's a really prolonged section where they tell you about the quest, and like my eyes kind of glazed over. But effectively, the end of the quest was they found a room where there were pictures always facing you, and the pictures were just stuff from your hard drive. And so now we know, oh no, the game is accessing other parts of your hard drive. Spooky, but also funny because maybe you have porn and porn shows up. Mm. Um, yeah, <laughs> from the game designer side of things. Uh, well, um, I mean, the way, yeah, it, yeah they, the the story does mention porn showing up, but like, yeah. who keeps pornographic still images in their my pictures folder? <laughs> I, people who want their mom to find their porn. I guess, I guess. you're I, supposed to keep it in a, <laughs> in a folder labeled "educational games" and uh, change the <laughs> extension to be like a .exe or something, so that they can't open. Right, it. right, right. <sighs> Amateurs. <laughs> anyway. Amateurs. <laughs> Onward and upward. Uh, right. So at the end of this room with these pictures, which I think was a neat description of the way that UI works, where the, they say the paintings are always facing you no matter where you are in the room. But that's basically the UI. That's how, like, when you have the screen pop up on the bottom of your screen to tell you uh, what your hit points are or whatever, that's literally a floating thing in front of your character that the camera is capturing during that time. So this is an extension of that. And from a, like, I know the inside of a game, I found that an interesting visual, at least, for whatever. Um, so there's a door and they can't get in the door can't figure out how to get in the door um, and then we proceed into not the narrator but the action character um, falling into creepypasta style obsessive behavior yes where they've they've determined that the sky outside is basically the real world sky so and then there's a whole long thing about how long how what an hour of out of game time is in game and what that means so the the doer the act the actor is going <laughs> to leave the game running. Let's let's call uh, them creepy pasta Chris. Uh. Yeah, so, so Chris, right? Chris is obsessed and he's going to leave the game running to see what happens. And things proceed to get weirder and weirder because of course they do. Uh, and he has to stay kind of awake with the game because if he doesn't pay attention to it, the assassin will stab him to death and he'll lose all of that progress. So now we understand why the exact assassin exists, at least from a story angle, because he needs to be there in order to proceed forward with, like, if you could tell it was like the writer was like, well, what happens if the main character falls asleep. Oh, well, what if there's an assassin who keeps waking them up? Yeah, right? exactly. There, there needs to be some yeah. reason why why, uh, why they actually have to sit there and play the game for days and days and days to watch the skies right, right. instead of just, you know... Right, right, right. So then, then we find out, okay, well, so what, what about falling asleep? Ah, well, the writer has that solved too, because now the assassin starts screaming intermittently, and the scream is very loud, and it wakes the player up so that he moves the joystick and the character moves a little bit, and he does doesn't get killed by the assassin. Um, so now we have two levels of the writer solved that problem. Don't worry. Um, so time is passing, and now the Chris has been up for like three days. Uh, he's been exploring the rest of the game, and things are weird. Like all of the important. Oh yeah, I guess in the beginning they talk about all the important NPCs are already dead. So within this mod of the game, it's presumed that the un- the world is already faded to a terrible end because all of the quest givers that would give you the quest to solve the problem are dead, so, like, nobody can fix it, I guess. Um, and all the other NPCs start behaving weirdly, like, all of the, the casual people in the town go live in a cave, um, and they stop interacting with the player, except that they, they go out at night and stare at the sky. Um, you meet a quest giver who tells you, like, I think he, he gives some indication of, like, a certain date. 
um, that something will happen, or that if you keep going, you will eventually see the door open. Um, and then, like, the Chris has some setbacks where he has to restart the game, and he swears he's done with it, but he's not really done with it. And this is where it gets a little jarbled because, like, it starts to get real insider in the game baseball stuff. Um, but Chris starts to tell us, tell the narrator that, like, oh, he's getting close to the modern time. This is almost the same time as the writing of the story. So the sky in Skyrim, or in, not Skyrim, in Morrowind, is now modern era sky. Um, so that must mean something. And then some other junk happens where, like, the NPCs all have bleeding eyes now. But at least they're not hyper-realistic eyes, so we've got to pass on that. Yeah, good job. There's no, uh, <laughs> the blood in the mod was real, too real. Uh, <laughs> anything like and that. And you feel like he could, you know, touch the screen and feel the blood on his fingers or anything. Yeah, yeah. He, he dodged all that. Uh. Um, and then... <laughs> We know the tropes too deeply, I'm afraid. Mm. Um, So then we find out that the narrator is having bad dreams where the assassin is, like, touching him for real. But it's just a dream, so it's not that bad creepypasta cliche. It's just a dream. Um, But then he starts waking from series of nightmares. So it's like, oh, I thought that was real, and then I woke up, and then I thought that was real, and then I woke up, and then I thought that was real, and then I woke up. And it's a little convoluted, but it's there. Um, Then all of a sudden, the, the NPCs are all gone or dead. Um, and I guess the main character that Chris runs into, he talks with the assassin, but I couldn't tell if it was in the game or in a dream. And the assassin is like, just hold on a little longer and you'll get to see what's on the other side of the door. No one else has ever come this far. Um, but then the Chris gets blocked from all of these message boards and he, he sends, um, the narrator, like one final message and it's really spooky. Um, but he, like even Chris himself says he's not sure if the payoff is going to be worth it. And then the narrator loses all contact with Chris um, because I think something happens to him in the real world. Oh, he hears tapping on the glass. Like the assassin is on the other side of the screen tapping on the glass, but he's awake. It's not a dream this time. Um, so the, we lose contact with Chris and the narrator is like, yeah, I deleted the game after this because it was spooky, but mm-hmm. now I kind of really want to play it. So does anybody have this mod? Yeah. So uh, it does actually... I. I will say, this is going to sound <laughs> weird, I admire the restraint on display in this creepypasta. Yes, absolutely. Um, I It could very easily just be like, uh, the monster came out of the game and totally chopped my friend's head off and then threw the head through the internet and it came out of my monitor and got <laughs> hyper-realistic blood eyes all over. Like it's, But it didn't do that, um, which was nice. Uh, although... <laughs> God, it just cannot help but put in little specific references for Morrowind nerds. Um, yeah. Stuff like every single NPC having to do with the main quest is dead, with the sole exception of Yagram Bagarn, the last of the Dwemer. <laughs> Their corpses never despawn. Like, these aren't spooky words. You're just... Come on. <laughs> like, nobody knows who Yagram Bagarn is. Nobody cares about the Dwemer. Come on, get out, get out of like get out of town, please. Uh, and that's that's even before the line I called out earlier. Dark bro- the retextured version of the Dark Brotherhood armor from Tribunal. Ugh. 
Um, I think that the narrator describes that like the, 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 the retexture was really like a non-texture. So it was like the assassin is a blank, a black space in within the game, like no light or whatever, which is like, that's just a thing that happens in Bethesda. Yeah. yeah. When we played Skyrim for a while, it was all like purple latex monsters because the, the skin for the monster just didn't show up. <laughs> I'm also surprised that this person was able to recognize that it was a specific, um, like armor set, the, even though it didn't have a texture on it at all. <laughs> right. Or I guess I should <laughs> say, just guessing. Yeah, that it had a texture that didn't reflect any of the lighting effects, and so you couldn't actually see what was on it. Um, mm. So there is r slash watch the skies, which is a subreddit of people trying to recreate this mod um, in. <laughs> Morrowind. The most recent. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. The most recent that's update awesome. is uh, three um, three weeks ago. This creator, Unknown Glaze, seems to be the main person trying to build it. Um, recreation progress slowed but not halted was posted a year ago. Um, although with how Reddit dating works, that could be any time uh, from a year to one year, three hundred sixty-four days ago. So, um, it, it could be a year, it could be almost two years ago. Um, but three months ago, good old fashioned update. Um, and just this person gives, uh, an update about their personal lives. Um, and they're talking about how they want to put JVK, they refer to it as JVK pretty consistently, um, on the back burner and work on something else and then go back into JVK. Um, and get ready for how wild this mod's gonna be. Ah, <laughs> uh, boy. It's just, like, I get it. I get the, I mean, people recreated the Ben Drowned, uh, version of Majora's Mask, and that's fun. But there, this is not interesting enough. The story is interesting. The mod that, the mod is not that interesting to me. How do you feel about it? There- the mod, the whole thing doesn't really hold up to any scrutiny, and there's all kinds of questions. It's weird because, like you said, there's all of this sort of, like, insider language that doesn't really add anything to the story, but there's enough holes that anyone who is an insider can immediately poke into. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, he had to stay up because of the assassin. Right. Okay, so hit tilled and then TGM enter. Uh, no, they covered that. You can't get Did, into you can't get into the console yeah. in the mod. But that's not accessible from a mod. That's an engine side thing. And it, <laughs> an ESP <laughs> file can't access the engine uh, side. So the, the the writer hand waved it without actually knowing how that was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like if you basically know the way that ESP files work, like even just like a rudimentary amount of knowledge about it, mm. you know that you can't access engine inside mechanics uh, with one. That's very interesting, um, because I didn't know that at all. Um, But my thing would be just plug in a USB mouse jiggler uh, and do, use that, because that is a yeah. USB device that you can get that will just uh, simulate jiggling your mouse every five minutes, uh, because that's apparently all you need to scare the uh, assassin away. But I guess there's a possibility that that type of device would not work in DOSBox. 
Um, that's possible. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. What, what is the what? Why do you get that? Uh, Other than a sex thing, what is that for? So old people can keep their uh, computers from falling asleep without knowing how to change oh. the settings. Um, All right, that's charming, I guess. Yeah. Or if so you're sort of um, go ahead, it's like the sort of the the um, the mouse extension of what we would used to do with like turbo buttons on video games. We would just mm. like wrap a, a rubber band around. Well, them. Well, I can understand the goofy video game version. I was just wondering if there was a more practical application. I guess if really. you were at an office and you didn't have access to the sleep settings on the computer, but you were running some process that you didn't need to be at the computer for, and you didn't want it to fall yeah. asleep while it was running that process. Could you imagine being the coworker who hears the buzzing? sound from the screen thing next door going, what is he doing over there? You know what? I don't want to know. <laughs> no, or no, if you have a computer that you need to be running a process overnight or something. Yeah, exactly. And, this, isn't yeah. a, this isn't a physical thing that moves your mouse around. It is just a oh. little USB plug that acts as a USB mouse, um, but just moves the cursor every couple minutes. Got it. Um, okay. Now it makes more sense. Yeah. But gosh, it would be really, really funny if they had one that just physically moved your actual mouse. <laughs> That's um, what I was picturing. <laughs> I am so analog in my imagination. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, what's interesting about this to me is not the um, construction of the mod itself, but the fact that they actually, after... After they got all of the interminable technical jargon out of the way about describing what this mod is like, they wrote a, a pretty compelling horror story that doesn't have any supernatural elements in it. Um, yeah. And I think that uh, it's a much better idea for a haunted video game creepypasta to just have it be like, yeah, maybe the game's haunted, or maybe the person in the story just went nuts. Like, maybe right. they're just unwell, and, like, that is a very pretty well-worn trope in horror, I would say. It's like, is the Overlook Hotel haunted, or is Jack Torrance just... It, does he just have cabin fever? Like, it, that that little bit of doubt there is really nice and very spooky, and this author gets to it. They spend right, because we have... The weird stuff happens to Chris, not the narrator, yeah, exactly. so we have that separation, so... Yeah, we only have... It's a nice thing. Yeah, we only, we only have creepy pasta chris's reporting of uh spooky supernatural <laughs> elements um so we don't actually know for sure if any of that stuff happened or if uh chris was just going bonkers um but it's it's interesting um and then the fact that it seems to have infected um nameless narrator at the end i guess nat would be good for the narrator that's also gender neutral yeah. and sounds enough mm. like narrator so nat and chris um i can't do creepypasta paul because uh paul is not a gender neutral name and we don't want to have our creepypasta narrators only get to be men even though most of the creepypasta narrators <laughs> for the most part historically speaking um Anyway, I, uh, I genuinely do like how it ends. The fact that, um, that Nat here says, you know what, I, I guess I want to see what this is all about. That's 
that's the the beginning of like a, a I don't know it's it's a good way to end a horror story like this. Yeah, it, it almost makes you want to go. Well, yeah, maybe I'd download if I found a link. Yeah, I guess maybe. Yeah, yeah, like the madness spreads and like is it right. is the is the mod supernatural? Maybe, but it doesn't have to be for this to be a scary thing. It's at least mimetic, whether it's supernaturally mimetic or whether it's just mimetic. It's definitely mimetic. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing that I don't think enough. Um, horror stories, certainly not creepypastas, touch on is the idea of it, the, the, well, the idea of an idea that, that spreads infectiously like a meme. And we think all, we already think and communicate in memes so much in our lives that I'm surprised it hasn't infected, so to speak, the horror genre, um, as much. It is there. The ring yeah. is mimetic horror. Um, right. And the fact that so much stuff has ripped off the ring is a metatextual example. But, like, the ring is an idea that infects your brain and then kills you, and you have to pass it on to avoid death by infecting someone else's brain with it. And, like, that is the idea that... Uh, but, like, that, that book was written in 1992. It's not about the internet. It's not about internet memes. That's just, like... Well, but, like, Slenderman, the Marble Hornets version of Slenderman yeah. is yeah, you know he—he's definitely like if you know about him, then he can come and get you, and if you don't know about him, he can't come and get you. Yeah, the movie version is somewhat this way too. Uh, the bye—the bye bye man. Um, he's also <laughs> don't say his name, don't speak his don't name, say his name. <laughs> don't what, what, don't don't say it, don't think it. That's it. Uh, the bye bye yeah. man, and if you say if you say his name and you don't die of embarrassment from saying the bye bye <laughs> man. Then he can he can come make you go bye bye. He you can get real tie tie and go down for a nap when the bye bye man comes to get you and change your diaper. That's the gag you use with, when you've got a toddler who's like kind of crying, but they kind of want to not be crying anymore. Yeah. So you point at them and you tell them, "Don't think about it, pink elephants," and then they start giggling because it's ridiculous to not think about pink elephants. Oh, see, I thought you yeah. were going to say you tell them if you don't quiet down, the bye bye man will come get you. And I was like, <laughs> well, I don't want to be judgy since I'm not going to have kids, but maybe that's not the best idea. <laughs> No, no, no. I mean, I terrorize my kids, but in a different way. Don't worry. Yeah, you make them play Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> I don't make them. Man, I don't know. Like, my, my 10-year-old, my 12-year-old? Yeah, she's 12, she's 12 in a few now. days. Yeah. Um, she played uh, Ducky Ducky Literature Club, like, all oh, on her own. boy. Gosh. And she, yeah. And she did all the, like, well, I mean, it's Japan, so it's a little bit different here, okay. but she did all the digging into the files. Yeah. Like, she learned how to do all that hmm. stuff, and I'm like, how did you, where did you, wow. Kids are crazy. I would say, <laughs> I would say pretty explicitly that Five Nights at Freddy's is for kids. Like, there's yeah. no objectionable content in it. The reason it's scary yeah. is just, like, atmosphere and jump scares. You could probably get yeah. uh, get away with a Five Nights at Freddy's movie being PG if you really wanted to. Although, just for jump yeah. scares, they might mm-hmm. make it PG-13. But Doki Doki right. Literature Club, that's hardcore. That's a hardcore kid. <laughs> well, I mean, you also have to remember the media here is a little bit different. So, like, all of the manga that she's reading, um, at her age level, appropriate for her age level here, includes, like, self-harm and dealing with with suicide and that sort of thing. It's very important in Japan to be talking about those things rather than hiding them. Right. Yeah. I, so, Doki Doki Literature Club, you know, it's 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 within the right vibe, I think. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, I'm, I'm not, 
like judging, being like, oh, a kid shouldn't no, be playing no, no. that. I'm just, uh, I yeah. think that kids should have access to any media that they feel is appropriate for them. Um, yeah. I, in the, I already mentioned teaching eighth grade, uh, the year before the kids in that, uh, school in that classroom had been reading independently Stephen King's It. Um, because yeah. the movie had just come out, and that is a 1,200-page novel uh, primarily about mm, violence and sexual violence involving children. Um, yeah. Maybe not primarily, but largely, certainly. Uh, and this year, as I read, uh, in, as I left, some of the kids in, that, in the, the class were reading American Psycho uh, independently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just a bad book. So. Well, I think the teacher really loves it. Um, and I, I, oh, no. I don't think that I think, um, here's the thing about American Psycho that I don't think a lot of people realize is the movie sure. is a parody of the book. Um, right. the movie was directed by a woman and is very obviously critical of that whole culture. In, yeah. in the book, Brady Sinellis is writing about people that he knows and likes and is friends with. He's not writing about people who he's criticizing for being bad people. He's being like, this is what all businessmen in the 80s are like, and it's normal and yep. acceptable. <sighs> Um, skin crawling. Yeah. Ugh. He, I mean, the movie, the movie, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, he just, he did su such a cartoonish job of representing himself and his worldview that it reads as parody, which is yeah. wild. Well, I think the movie has the same problem as Fight Club. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, if you, you know, you like, you, you ask somebody what their favorite movie is, and if they say American Psycho or Fight Club, that can either go, like, they can go one way or the other with whether or not you want to block that person on Facebook. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, how does it go if the person says that their favorite movie is The Blues Brothers? Well, either they're my dad. <laughs> yeah, that's the classic thing, right? It's a dad movie. Um, it is a dad movie. I mean, they do they do hit Nazis with a car, right? They do. So, so they are comrades. Yeah. They attempt to, um, but the Nazis ah. all jump off of a bridge first. Uh, oh, they do drop a Nazi's car off of a bridge and uh, crush them into the road. Um, yeah, that's good praxis. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, if you are really paying close attention to the Blues Brothers, you realize that uh, Jake Blues is Jewish. He's he has a he has a Jewish last name um, in like one of the ID cards or some some place you see his name because obviously it's not Blues. Um, right. So he kind of has that personal tie-in there. Um, which, right. which is, which makes that whole, uh, I hate Illinois Nazis scene much, uh, <laughs> much more, I would say, appropriately, uh, revenge fantasy than something like Inglorious Bastards. Oh, thank you. Yeah, good. <laughs> uh, I mean, I enjoyed watching the, parts of Inglorious Bastards where they beat Nazis up, but I do not think sure. that it was appropriate for that person to make that film. And also, yeah. Yeah. the other parts of the movie are boring, and the ending was stupid. <laughs> yes. And the treatment of women was especially disgusting. Well, of course. It's Quentin Tarantino. Mm -hmm. He has never I mean, met yeah. a woman that he doesn't want to mistreat. Uh, oh. <laughs> 
yeah, uh, boy, I have not seen a lot of his recent films. I very much have enjoyed every movie is every movie of his that I have seen. I have enjoyed watching. Um, Inglorious mm-hmm. Bastards is the last one I saw because I didn't enjoy it enough to watch it more than once. So yeah, uh, I've kind of fallen off on him completely, especially with how he talks in the media and has treated his performers, um, especially when yes. those performers are women. Um, yep. That I'm, I'm just kind of done with that guy. Anyway, that's not what this creepypasta is about. Or is it? Oh god, we were talking about a yeah. creepypasta, weren't we? Crap. I'm afraid so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so is there anything else you want to touch on before you get into our spookiest parts? Um, gosh. I don't know. So if you're if you're going to write a video game creepypasta for some reason, let's say you are. There's, I, I listened to one that was about 76, actually. Oh, sure. And it involved Todd Howard personally, which was really funny to me. Oh my god, um, is so this it, like in Squidward it, Suicide, where Stephen Hillenberg is sitting there watching the whole episode, and then gets up at the end to be like, I demand you stop this. Do you want the short version? Yes, please. <laughs> okay, so the super short version is <clears throat> this guy was really into Bethesda games and he was active on the internet and so he got a beta copy. Yeah. And he but he didn't have time to play it, so he didn't play it. And then he got another beta copy. And then he was invited to E three to go see it. Sure. Um and like there was a lot of like weirdness where he kept getting copies in the mail and stuff, and then they were sent to his dad's house. And then Todd Howard himself pulls the guy aside and is like, Fallout 76 is a training simulation. We know the end times are coming and you're now in a cult. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) And like, that was it. And it was so, like, on the nose, like, this guy was really writing it in full earnest that I was like, yeah, I love it. I, I love it. It's terrible. I love it. I'm not. You know, I don't write them, so. <laughs> oh, but point is, if you're going to write it, decide first, is this only for the people who play the video game, or is it for people all over? And if it's going to be for people other than the people who play the video game, you have to be more open. You know, you have to explain more, or you have to leave out the details and just be hand-wavy about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, as Olivia already pointed out, this author does not even get the details correct about the game's technical aspects. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I I don't, if you're gonna, it's just weird that, that this author would write this story for a very specific audience of people who like to play Morrowind mods in 2012, because that, I think, is about when the story was posted. That was the earliest reference I could find to it. Um, That is very late to be playing Morrowind mods, because that is a year after Skyrim came out, which was The Elder Scrolls V, and Morrowind is The Elder Scrolls III. Morrowind came out, what, like 2002, 2003? It was like a long time ago. Um... Anyway, it's just, it's so strange that they would write for this specific audience, but then get something as basic wrong as, or maybe they didn't get it wrong, and they just figured, I'm gonna chalk this up to the being part of the ghost thing of the mod, uh, as the fact that mods can't access or block you getting into the the terminal, no, the console, uh, well, same thing, but, um, the fact that mods can't block you getting into the console seems like something that a nerd of this caliber should have 
have known right before writing the story. And the fact that they didn't means that the story doesn't work for the turbo nerds that it's written for. What? Like, why bother at all then? You either got to get all that stuff right or don't include any of it. Well, yeah. and there's so much hand wringing about like, well, you can't do this for this reason and you couldn't do this for this reason. But then to miss that part, like it could have just as easily been, uh, and the mod somehow prevents you from getting to the engine side of things, which is impossible, but dot, dot, dot. Yeah, there, there should be. Yeah, I that would fix it for me, honestly. If there was a reference to the criticism and just like, oh, but it, it doesn't work for whatever reason. I don't, it should work, <laughs> yeah. but it doesn't. That would be fine. Um, also very weird that they're running the mod through DOSBox, yet for some reason it's able to access folders on their Windows machine. I was pr- under the impression that DOSBox was a, a virtual machine software where there would not be a My Pictures folder full of your normal files because it's running on a on a, a virtual DOS machine. Uh, is this correct? That is absolutely correct. Like, there are sort of weird workarounds if you've got a program that be running through the virtual machine like uh, you could do it but not through like a mod for Morrowind yeah. it's just it's not practical it would certainly not be the default setting for DOSBox which this person definitely would be using to play this Morrowind mod they heard about on 4chan or whatever like yeah it's that's like, that only just popped into my head, and I'm not even, I don't know about modding Morrowind at all. So, yeah, it's like, you gotta, you gotta pick your battle, and I don't think this person even knew that there were battles to pick based on writing this story. Um, spookiest parts. Oh, spookiest parts. Um, Mina, go first. Okay, sure. So, um, I'm picturing the scene where they des- he describes all of the NPCs go out of their houses, stop whatever they're doing, they look up at the sky, and all they say is, watch the skies. And But I'm picturing it in, like, the Morrowind-style, like, weird, really graphic, um, rubber-faced people. But, like, like the, the, the seaming on the face doesn't work for looking mm. upwards, so, like, there's a gap under the chin where there's no space, you know, or something like that. Like, yeah. I'm adding a lot of visual to it because I'm a creative person or whatever but that image of a lot of NPCs standing there looking up at the sky with broken neck you know basically that did it for me I'm not gonna lie I liked that and I think I also like the visual of the way that they say the assassin moves spider-like over the bodies Uh, Olivia what about you? I think that there's a certain amount of like surreality here that isn't um, addressed that I sort of jumped on. So we're talking about the skybox, right? Yeah. And one of the reasons why Bethesda jumped to a different engine, essentially, for Skyrim and Fallout 4 and stuff, is because they were working off of the old Gambrio engine, which is very old. Um, It ran a lot of old games. And it doesn't really process high-resolution files very well at all. Um, Even with, like, the best high-res mods that you can get for Morrowind today... Um, they're not going to give you a skybox that looks like discernible. Uh-huh. Um, there are really pretty ones for Skyrim that use like realistic looks, but if you try to put a realistic sky into Morrowind, it'll kind of look like garbage, and it would be hard to look at it and say this looks like the real thing. And when I think of the skybox shifting from Morrowind to the real world, that's a huge tonal shift that should immediately grab your attention and make you think what the hell is going on but like are you saying it was a hyper realistic sky yeah yes mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the sky yeah. looked real almost too real 
Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. And to do this, like, okay, so we say it was, what, 2012? Yeah. Like, this is not a 4K monitor. <laughs> like, this is not, like, you know, a Mac Retina monitor or anything like that. This is a 2012 monitor, and he's running an old game, and it looks realistic, like... Why are we not addressing this? And like, I'm, I'm, I'm flipping out about this <laughs> when I'm listening to it. <laughs> They're talking about how it shifts into this hyper realistic thing, and it's just sort of glossed over <laughs> that I, this is completely weird. The game is too low res, sure, but I'm going to give them a pass. 1080 is probably enough to uh, see a realistic sky. The game can't do it, but I'm not going to. I'm yeah. not going to say that this person's monitor definitely couldn't do it. Um, but you're right. Well, it's could. it's probably not 4K yet. The game definitely couldn't do it. The monitor maybe, but also this is why instead of modding Skyrim, people are trying to port it into the. Uh, sorry, instead of modding Morrowind, people are trying to port it into the Skyrim engine. Yeah, yeah. Maybe this is not a mod. Maybe this is a weird port. Yeah, <laughs> that could explain. Uh huh. That explains everything. <laughs> it's a back port. It's uh, ported uh, Morrowind into Daggerfall. Um, ah, excellent. <laughs> my spookiest part of this is the very end where uh, this person seemingly becomes infected with the the mind worm of wanting to play JVK until they um, go loony and fall off the face of the planet like their friend did. Um, mm. That was interesting. Um, but, I mean, there's so much stuff before that, like... Uh, I was in the corporisarium with Yagram. For once, the light was okay. I could see him all bloated on those mechanical spider legs. What does that mean? (laughs) Is he Baron Harkonnen? Like, what? I didn't play this game. I don't know what that character looks like. You you can't just do that to me, author. Not in a box, but really talking to me in Tierras' voice. Who? Uh... Now it becomes, for those of us who haven't played the game, now it becomes like a Feed the Pig style, um, absurdist <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Images, like, just- well, that's also a sort of ironic one, too, because if you say that a Morrowind character speaks in X character's voice, mm. that's inherently bullshit, because you know that in any given Bethesda game, every voice actor <laughs> plays about 75 people. Right. Yeah. You have the same person being like, I'm the Jarl, you have to listen to me, and also outside being like, I used to be an adventurer like you. But they're like the same, obviously the same, like, Bostonian doing a Norwegian accent for some reason. Right, um, Actually, is, I guess Bethesda is probably in the town of Bethesda, right? Yes, okay. Maryland, yeah. That does make more sense, uh, considering the name. But there are a bunch of game developers up in Massachusetts, so I wasn't entirely... Entirely uh-huh. stupid. Um, no. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that also probably explains why Fallout 3 was set in the D.C. area. Yes. It literally has Bethesda, Maryland in it. Yeah, you can probably go to the Bethesda Game Studios uh, building and see an Easter egg of them, I'm guessing. Um, I think. I don't know. No, it's all rubble. Yeah, it? the Bethesda ruins, yeah. Oh, right. That's fun. Now, the the mm. 76 is set in West Virginia, like beautifully, authentically Amazingly West Amazingly done, yeah. Uh, but there's studio is in Texas. Yeah. So Interesting. 
and now I'm wondering if you can go to uh, Justin McElroy's house in the game. Um, you know, Western West Virginia is a very big state. Uh, I, yeah. It's huge. Yeah. It's not automatically going to be in and around the Huntington area. Um, oh wait, no, Huntington is there. I Huntington. Oh, that's fun. Cute. Um, I really liked playing um, Horizon Zero Dawn. You come across some landmarks that are obviously very distinct. And so I googled what the I like googled a description of the landmark, and I found out what town in the real world I was exploring as I played the game. Oh, cool! Um, Yeah, that was very very cool. Um, The fact that they recreated this town, but Mm -hmm. imagined it like I actually don't know how far in the future it takes place, but probably hundreds of years. Um, But that was very very interesting to me. Anyway, that has nothing to do with this Morrowind uh, story. (laughs) The spookiest part for me is how it infects with the thing and that's it let's move into plugs sure okay so i think last time olivia told you about our game and novel series yes um so personally um my website is philomeniyoung.tokyo because it was cheap and there you can find um information about a novel i have coming up that's in the same universe as the i hunt novels but it's about like um emotional support and uh ghosts ghosts yeah, it's the sad ghost boys um, and uh, empathy, like radical empathy. Um, and you can also find my book series about giant robots, mothers, and feelings. Um, that's also there on philomeniyoung.com or .tokyo. And you can find my award-winning ritual creepypasta <laughs> <laughs> uh, called uh, Summoning the Beast. I think it's called Summoning the Beast. Summoning the Beast. I forget the title, but it's um, <clears throat> it's a little bit heavy, but it's an award-winning creepypasta, I say, with scare quotes. <laughs> So you should check. You're going to have to explain what you mean. Okay, so there's this other podcast that does kind of similar to this, where they look at creepypastas. They read it and make fun of it as they go. Uh, And they hosted a contest for all of their listeners, because they are also focused on improving the genre, I guess. So they they held a thing where they said, like, okay, take a ritual creepypasta, which is one of those, go into a spooky place, do X, Y, and Z, and end happens. Um, But make it good. Uh, So I came in second place, although I kind of feel like it was a tie between me and first place. Mine was just a little bit more emotionally raw, so it was difficult to say first place. Um, that's my opinion. Um, so, but that's up there. You can you can see it, and it's got a link to the podcast where they read it. So that's pretty cool. Cool. I'll check that out, and I promise that yeah. I won't cover it on this show. I I don't think it would be very good for this show. Yeah, I think that the best <laughs> ones for this show are either like dense intellectual uh, stories or um, stories that got a lot of problems we can make fun of. Yeah. <laughs> You should have us on sometime to read normal porn for normal people if you haven't. I don't remember. I feel like we've covered that, but I might be. I don't remember. I might be confusing it with unedited footage of a bear, which is a film and not a written story at all. Right. Um, unedited footage is fantastic. I think you might like um, normal porn for normal people. I've read it. I'd, I've read it before, okay. which is why I thought I covered it on the show. Um, but <laughs> fair, maybe fair. I was going to cover it with somebody and they canceled on me or something. I don't remember. Uh-huh. Um. Anyway, Olivia, you're up. Um, yeah, the the series that she was talking about um, is a novel series called I Hunt. It is about killing monsters in the gig economy. It's uh, Buffy meets Uber, Supernatural meets Fiverr. Uh, it's about millennials being poor and needing to do whatever it takes to make ends meet. Um, 
basically the ad campaign on Facebook. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, the the ad campaign that um, she's talking about is um, we're kind of ripping off um, fiber ads and other really cynical, awful things um, like that. Um, the fiber ads, the ones about how you shouldn't eat, basically, and you should drink too much coffee. Yeah, and... do, do the hustle, don't do the food. You know, yeah. whatever. Ugh. Yeah, that's yeah. Thing. yeah, right. Now I, I know the genre of ad you mean. Yeah. Uh, Fiverr, yeah. TaskRabbit so, is another one that has very similar yeah. ads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. It's all about the hustle, those kind of things. Ugh. Yeah, so, you know, it's very much that. I wanted to do horror where eviction was scarier than the monsters. Mm. And so I Hunt is the series, and there's also a game that we are releasing right around this time. Hopefully. Yeah. (laughs) And where's that on Facebook? What's that? On Facebook, Machine Age Productions. Okay. Yeah, that's always the worry with game development is we hope... I just, uh, well, right now just, uh, but when this comes out many months ago, finished working at an escape room and my bosses were designing the new room and their original we hope to launch uh, date was Labor Day 2018. And then it got pushed <laughs> and pushed and eventually they were like, we hope to open before the new year um, and they have not yet opened. Um, because every time you go to check an item off the to-do list, you realize that item is actually five items. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And they, you know, bless them for it, but they're not willing to lower their standards on how the game looks and feels. But ah. the advantage there is the current uh, game that they have is incredibly um, immersive and, like, enrapturing, because they put so much care into making sure that like each element is feels real like really a part of the story there's no like classic escape room thing where there's a, a red dot on it if you're not supposed to interact with it um <laughs> that is that's like a, a very common language and they don't use it because it breaks the immersion um mm-hmm. aside from just things about how the nature of them being in a rented office building space uh the room does seem like it would like it is the room in the story um so that's cool anyway that was tangential but uh my point was uh i understand vaguely at least i was not a designer but i was writing a lot of text for that game um and boy every time you think well this will just be a little bit of writing it becomes no this is actually like five different documents that you have to write (laughs) different parts for and then you have to build a prop and hire an actor to read the writing and then make the prop play the writing the reading when someone pushes a button and uh, anyway it sounds cool though it sounds like a lot of fun yeah i would love to design an escape room someday that would be really great um i want to play more of them before i even think about that you know i guess it's something you could probably build in like i mean you could definitely build it of course in like unity but you might even be able to build something like it in tabletop simulator or something like that um, I'm not sure how what what kind of props are available in that, but that would be an interesting thing to think about. Um, anyway, that's neither here nor there. You can reach me funtimes.online, uh, coolmemes.biz, weaponizedlanguage.com if you want to write to me. Jeff at funtimes.online. If you want to suggest a story that we should cover, join the Facebook group, Creepypods to Fan Group, and post in the pinned thread. Please don't make your own new thread. It's fine if you do. I'm not going to be mad at you. But I will comment, 
Hey, post this in the pinned thread so I don't forget. Um, if you want to email me or DM me suggestions uh, on Mastodon or Twitter, uh, you're welcome to, but those also, unless I'm like right at my computer and like ready to add them to the list, they might not hit the list right away. So just keep that in mind. The best way when I go through to add things to my document of stories to cover in the future, I go through that Facebook thread first and foremost. And then all of the other things are, if I remember to check my Twitter DMs and email for suggestions, I will check. Um, so keep that in mind. Uh, oh yeah, I guess you could follow me on Mastodon, mastodon.cloud slash at JK. That's where my thoughts go. Um, Instagram and Snapchat are both Jeff JK. Uh, sometimes my thoughts go there. Most often my pictures go on Snapchat and Instagram and my thoughts go on Mastodon. Uh, Instagram, the app does not automatically have cross posting to Mastodon, so I don't, it doesn't get there a lot. Maybe I'll set up an, uh, if this, then that, uh, thing for it, but you know, probably not. I've downloaded that app 10 <laughs> years ago and didn't use it and kept it on my various phones and have never ever ever used it for anything ever even once so <laughs> i'll say that i'll set it up but i won't that's all i'm rambling now it's past my bedtime i had coffee today this was all a mistake so i'm going to end <laughs> gonna end the show here quick explanation if you reinstalled morrowind to a different folder you could have a normal morrowind install along with jvk